Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Kmack. Hello, everybody. So today, we're going to be talking about custom commanders. Uh, last week, we put out a call for custom magic designs for legendary creatures with a preference towards commanders that create new archetypes. And we got a ton of submissions, so many that we're not going to be able to talk about all of them today, unfortunately. We tried to highlight the ones that built into the most unique archetypes or explore the most interesting design space. But if a card you submitted didn't get featured today, then we promise there's going to be more opportunities to highlight your work in the future. Before we, we jump in, I want to address the topic of why we talk about custom cards. And one of our listeners posed the question pretty well. I'd like to know why you guys focus so much on custom cards. There is so much going on with product releases this year, and WotC intentionally pushes new legends into Commander with every set release. There's so much content to talk about, but you're just focusing on something outside the rules. Obviously, you guys have a playgroup that is okay with this kind of rule-breaking, but that doesn't apply to every listener and their LGSs. There's players and game stores that don't allow this type of custom development, it breaks the fairness of having a common rule set and makes people feel bad to have to play against. Commander is a format that gives players the most amount of card choice and deck diversity, yet there's a large focus of your content on custom and silver-bordered cards, as well as rules bending. To, to answer that question and address that concern, I'd say that this show is about looking at Commander from a very high level, and the point we keep making is that diversity of gameplay is the format's greatest strength, and it's integral to the format's success in the future. So we often get into ways that the rules committee, the CAG, wizards can preserve and increase the format's diversity. And that's the common theme among the rules bending we advocate for, or the rules changes we advocate for, and it aligns with like these custom episodes. Because when we talk about, say, allowing planeswalkers as commanders, it's because doing so will create a whole bunch of new decks, create a lot of new diversity in the format. If you were to say, like, lower the starting life total, then aggro becomes more viable. And now there's all these aggro archetypes that didn't really work well before. And then with these custom designs, again, as we, we mentioned earlier, we're focused on designs that specifically create new archetypes. We're not looking to reinvent the wheel. We just want to open up the space that you can play in in Commander because we think that's the most important thing. So I'd say, like, one of the common through lines of the show is, like, Commander is great, and here's some ideas for how to make it better. Yeah, I think there's a one of the common things that I think we hear the most from people, especially after Mara's poll about changes to Commander, was uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Which, I mean, why not make it better? And the thing about it is, like, if it doesn't make it better, you, you can put it back. Yeah. Like, it's not like the whole, everyone's going to stop playing Commander because for a month planeswalkers are illegal you're just gonna be like oh that sucked and then go back to playing with the cards you had before yeah that's why we advocate for like experimental periods like the silver bordered experiment because if you don't test these kinds of changes you're not going to know how to make the format better i mean we can't say with certainty what will happen we can say what we think will happen but that's why we we think that experiments are a good way to test the waters find out some of the unexpected consequences of your actions and then roll things back if need be but with that i'm going to briefly talk about our patreon page and then we'll jump into the the designs so if you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory you can support the show and access sweet benefits for as little as one dollar a month 
If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. I think we can go ahead and start with Will of Aurora. This design comes to us from Follower of Liliana on Tumblr, and Will of Aurora is one blue-red-green for a 4-4 legendary elemental. When it leaves or enters the command zone, choose one for each time you've casted this game. Destroy target non-basic land, draw two cards, then discard a card, or put a land card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. I think this is an interesting design space. Looking at leaving or entering the command zone opens up some opportunities for building around in a way that enters the battlefield doesn't. But I think that the numbers on this need some adjustment because as it stands, this is a really powerful ability. I totally agree. I like the design space of using and like utilizing the command zone because you're already tracking that. That's something that the game is already tracking. So turning it into a resource kind of is really Mm -hmm. cool. I think if this came out in a commander set now would be pretty strong. Yeah, because if you have like a blink effect, something on color, Essence Flux, Will of Aurora, instead of sending it to exile, you can have it go to the command zone, but it'll still be returned by the same ability. So you can get two hits off of Will of Aurora for each time you blink it with a Conjurer's Closet or a Thassa Deep Dwelling. So when you're drawing two cards and discarding a card each time or destroying a non-basic land each time, and then you get to do that twice. And then, of course, if you've cast it again, then that's just adding up. It, it seems like an enormous amount of value. Some fixes to that are just, like, tying it to cast. I think you could keep, like, some pretty splashy effects on it if it's, like, if you cast this instead of an ETB. I think if it's going to be an ETB, which is, like, kind of part of the fun of it, like, you just need to tone down what's going on but this is i really like this guy this guy's really cool yeah i think it's just like a matter of how many times this could potentially happen that's that's the issue i would either like tone down the the effects or like you said change how it um triggers but it's cool design space for sure i think we can move on to the next design this is also from follower of liliana it's royal mage assembly blue red green for a three three legendary ally shaman Spells you cast with Awaken or Landfall cost Wooburg less to cast. If a land entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time for each land creature you control. There's a lot of interesting things going on here. So I like the idea of a a Landfall doubling commander. I don't know if the synergy with Awaken is necessary. Just in terms of the number of Awaken cards... It's not a huge amount. We're looking at less than 20 cards with Awaken, and uh, a lot of them aren't really costed for Commander, even with this cost reduction, because most of them are like monocolored. I think there's only one multicolor Awaken cost. It was a mechanic for Limited. There were very few like pushed Awaken cards. If I were to like try to break this, what I would more be focusing on is like cheap man lands like Mutavault or Mistress Factory or like Ink Moth Nexus, Blink Moth Nexus, getting my land creatures that way rather than trying to tie it to Awaken. So I don't know if this is like the right incentive to make you build around Awaken cards. The sneaky cost reduction to make it five color, obviously like there aren't enough cards with these mechanics in a single color to really make a cohesive deck. So I, I could see like the 
the five color influence is there so that you can make a deck that works, that functions, and that can uses this thing. I understand like the reward, like you push the reward to a point where it's not just going to be good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can see like the the through lines of like the thought patterns there. I do really like the doubling landfall abilities. Yeah, that is really cool. Like one of the issues with Yaruk is that it sort of has the Atraxa problem in that there's a lot of different decks you can make. Friend of the show, uh, Charlotte Sable, has an Enchantress Yaruk deck. I know somebody else who has like a Landfall Yaruk deck, and then there's just like the classic ETB creature Yaruk deck. Like there's a lot of different decks that can be built around this commander, and I like delineating that space of this is only for one specific card type because that's going to be like a more unique deck than like a lot of Yarrick lists, which is like, I'm going to use the best triggers from landfall and enchantments and creatures, and you're not introducing as many new cards to the format. The next one comes from Drop the Base Zero. It is Audia the Tenacious. One red, green, white for a legendary Snake Shaman. It's a 1-4. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, add C to your mana pool. Your opponents can't cast spells during combat. We've actually seen a deck recently that builds in the same direction so nylea the keen-eyed was released in uh theros beyond death and she reduces the cost of all your creatures by one what that deck builds into is just a bunch of one cmc artifact creatures so that they become free under nylea and then you're in green so you can run all these things like whenever you cast a creature spell draw a card whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control draw a card and you can combo off like that and there, there are so many of them now. There are a lot of them. And I think Audia the Tenacious kind of works in the same way. By adding C, it's essentially reducing the cost of these one mana artifact creatures to zero. And you can go ahead from there and, and do the same thing because you're still in green. I also think you get a little bit of tech from red doing this too. Adding more colors to a deck like that like vastly increases the resources and the things you can do with that. Yeah, one thing I was thinking is like because it has whiteness color identity, you have Mentor of the Meek, and all of these one-mana artifact creatures are pretty small. You can use that, but that's another card draw engine that you have access to. The next comes to us from Geteron. It is Mordric Triad of Witches. Red, white, black for a 2-3 legendary human warlock. Whenever an aura you control becomes attached to an opponent or a permanent an opponent controls, Mordric Triad of Witches deals one damage to each opponent, you gain one life, and you draw a card. So uh, what archetype do you think this might be built for? (laughs) I mean, definitely some curses going on. There's been some complaints lately that a lot of the commander's wizards has been putting out have been using draw card as a reward mm-hmm. like 2x draw card yeah pretty pretty liberally but i feel like this is a really apt reward for this strategy here just because drawing a card is very powerful and it can be really powerful if the hoop is like not big enough like let's say Tulane, you mm-hmm. play a creature and then you draw a card and I, you get a land drop. and you get a land drop whoa with mordrick here like auras just are inherently not that good a lot of the time Mm -hmm. i think you'd be running like the pacifisms and stuff like that or like just because they draw you cards the guard duty or whatever like be able to keep your hand full and keep the board controlled but you need a commander this strong to be able to make a strategy like that work to be able to play with all these really silly like cards that are just not strong enough most of the time yeah i really like rewarding auras for the same reason like this is typically a very weak card type And so giving it some juice is fine. I think it is going to incentivize the cheaper ones. 
in the same way that we saw like with Surgeon Commander. Surgeon Commander draws you a card every time you enchant a creature you control. The way that tended to work is like you just run a bunch of one CMC auras, draw a bunch of cards, and figure out a way to solve for mana. With Mordric, I think it's going to move in the same direction. Like the the more restrictive color identity helps, and the fact that you don't have access to like the the easy answers to solve for mana. Mordric doesn't tap for mana. You don't have access to like Jeskai Ascendancy or Chakram Retriever, so that makes it a little bit easier. But I think you are going to be incentivized to run the cheapest stuff. But that's honestly okay. Nobody is running cheap auras, so it would still like introduce new cards to the format. SRAM, for example, yeah, he draws a card off of auras, but he also draws a card off of equipments, and those are a lot more abusable and cheaper and yeah. things you can do with them. Moving on to a submission from The Noble Thief. This is Amelia, Inheritor of Rituals. Two and a black for a 3-2 legendary human shaman. Whenever Amelia, Inheritor of Rituals, or another creature you control dies, return to your hand target creature card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. So it's essentially a scrap trawler. Yeah, for your creatures. This also reminds me of Soul Shift. I think that's kind of what they're leaning into. It seems like it's likely to be pretty combo-y. I'm yeah. imagining like you have uh, an Ashnod's altar and a bunch of artifact creatures. You go down the chain. I think even just with the Phyrexian altar, I feel like you're probably going to need black at some point in time to keep like a chain going or to turn some activated ability on again or something like that just off the top of my head i can't think of what the chain might be but yeah you need like some way to get back to the top of the chain although i guess you could have a pit keeper some sort of cheap grave digger effect that gets you back to the like expensive thing at the top of the chain Mm -hmm. and then you sack your way down yeah, you could use the, the three mana imp that grave cadaver imp. cadaver imp. There's black creatures where you draw a card when they die, right? There's definitely black creatures that draw a card when it enters the battlefield. Oh, that's true. Cause you I'm could, thinking like Phyrexian Rager. Yeah, because you could do black, put a creature on top of your library. Oh, like Grave Purge or yeah, something? Grave pur- well, there's an enchantment that does it. So you could do that and then have one of those creatures to get you back to the top of the chain. And then you have all the black mana from sacking them or like but all the st- mana from Ashnod's but altar. Re- yeah, but it returns them to your hand still have to pay the mana i think you can net mana on the very small end of things like you know sack a one drop sack a zero drop Mm -hmm. and net mana off of that so it's an interesting puzzle it likely introduces a new archetype into the format and i don't think there's anything quite like it in black right now there's some ways to go in view with this you just got to be clever about it and i think it's um definitely a new archetype so um this is a really cool design yeah thank you for submitting it and thank you to everyone again. I'm going to say this multiple times, but th- thank you to everyone who submitted because these are like super fun to read and look at. And the fact that like all of you wanted to submit is awesome. And it's fun to just like shoot from the hip and brew around these things. Oh, yeah. Definitely made some custom decks before in the past, custom commander decks. And they're always like pretty fun to mess around with for like a, a game or two until your friends get mad. Next comes to us from Pookie Sane account. Uh, hope I'm pronouncing that correctly this is ghouls swamps spawn one black green for a 3-1 legendary skeleton with infect whenever you put a poison counter on a player create a 1-1 black and green frog creature token with infect it's pretty interesting as somebody who's played with skitherix a lot it's nice to see a go wide type of infect strategy rather than the the go tall skitherix voltron i really like this guy a lot infect it's doing weird things like putting counters on 
players. So it interacts and overlaps with cards and these really weird axes that you can do a lot with. So getting an infect guy when you put a poison counter on someone, like there's just a lot of ways to interact with that. And that seems really fun. And infect is pretty powerful. So I think that like this guy would be very strong, but not like oppressive. If, mm-hmm. Like th- that's what this seems like to me. I like this as an alternative to Atraxa because Atraxa definitely has that problem, as we mentioned earlier, of there's so many decks that it can be, so it's hard to really focus on Infect because you have these awesome like Planeswalkers competing with them and these awesome like charge counter cards and these awesome plus one plus one counter cards and all these other things that get the benefit from Atraxa that are competing for the same card slots as these terrible Vector Asps and things. Yeah, exactly. So this is a really cool design. This is one of the ones that I really liked when I was scrolling through and looking at everything. All right, next comes to us from Thomas. This is Atelia Force of Conquest. One red-white for a 3-2 legendary human soldier with haste and first strike. At the beginning of your end step, create X-1-1 red and white soldier creature tokens with first strike, where X is the number of opponents you attacked this turn. Six red-white. Put Atelia Force of Conquest onto the battlefield from your command zone, tapped and attacking. This ability costs one less to activate for each attacking creature you control. Activate this ability only during combat on your turn before blockers are declared. I love what this card is doing. I like how it's doing it, and I just wish there was like a less wordy way to do that. Is totally red white. This like helps you out with the token production. It helps you out with like going wide or it like kind of incentivizes you to do so and attack out. Honestly, table politics are a little bit easier that way. You're not pissing one person off at the table. Typically when you're playing aggro, you kind of have to focus and then that person maybe feels like they're being picked on and then you have to keep moving. There's certain play groups that can't really handle that. I like this. I just wish there's less words or there's an easier way to say it. I don't know if the design needs the Derevi activation. Mm-hmm. Like the commander costs three. I think it's going to take a while before you're priced out of it. And it decreases the size of the text in the text box. Like the max number of lines that a magic card can have is 10. And we're currently at nine for what is essentially a pretty simple combat focused commander. I feel like anyone would look at this in a pack and know exactly like what it does, how it does. But you have to sit there for like the two minutes and like read through it and parse it. And then as soon as you read it, you're like, oh, okay, cool. But there's just so many words to get to that point. Yeah, I think the heart of this card is just the token creation ability and then the keywords. But I think that in terms of like the deck it builds into, it looks a lot like Najila. Yeah, but less combo-y. You can't combo with it. Uh, There's no worry about like Druid's Repository or anything like that. And also, because you're restricted to these two bad colors, it's a lot more fair than like five color Najila, which you just have access to the the best things yeah you get all the coastal piracies you get whatever you need cutting this down paring down Najila to like just these two colors where it makes the most sense i like that i think that this could be a a fun red white commander thomas in his submission mentioned like it's crazy that there hasn't been a red white token commander to date and so this is a, a pretty good way to do it all right this next one comes to us from Raphael. This is Kess, Solitary Mage. One blue, black, red for a 4-3 legendary wizard. It has prowess and instant and sorcery cards in your hand have overload. The overload cost is equal to the mana cost of the spell plus the number of opponents you have. In terms of templating, you might need to 
reword that. I don't think that's exactly what have, rules manager would kick out, but yeah, the design is really interesting. I have no clue on the templating. I also agree that the design is really interesting because this card gets better the less opponents you have in the game because you can just start fairly cheaply screwing over one person with like an unsummon or something like that, which is awesome. I'm kind of into that. But there are a bunch of deal three, like Lightning Bolt becomes a card that you'd really want to play. Unsummon becomes a card you'd really want to play. Like there's a bunch of like silly little cheap cards that you end up playing in this deck, which is really cool and really fun. But finding the spot where it's fair, one of the reasons Overload works is because they are worded really weird. Mm -hmm. So if you look at Mizium Mortars, it's deal four damage to a creature in opponent controls. Yeah, or if you look at Mizix's Mastery, that has some like really tortured text yeah. in order to, to make it work. Yeah, to go from A to each. The feel of this commander is there. It's super cool. I really like it, but figuring out how to make it actually work, like rules-wise, text-wise, I think that's the that, hardest part. Yeah, that will be a challenge, but there's a lot of cool things you can do. One type of effect that works pretty well is things that it doesn't really matter if it happens to everyone, it's still beneficial for you. And I'm thinking in that case of like active treason type effects because Kess will turn your three mana active treason into a six mana insurrection, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, that's really cool. One of the best types of active treason effects to overload with Kess is word of seizing. So three red red for an instant with split second untap target permanent and gain control of it until end of turn it gains haste until end of turn when you overload word of seizing you're taking everything including lands you're untapping your own lands in addition to everyone else's so you probably just win the game when you have all the permanence and yeah, no one else has anything it's probably a 10 mana spell but 10 mana spell should win you the game so that's really sweet another cool thing is like cyclonic rift becomes cheaper to overload oh yeah there's also um perilous voyage one in a blue for an instant return target non-land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. If it's converted mana cost was two or less, scry two. So that's another alternative cyclonic rift. If Wizards figured out how to make this work and printed it, I would build this deck in like a heartbeat. It seems like so much fun. Definitely adds a new archetype to the format, so I think it's pretty cool. The next one comes to us from Bryce. This is Plain Jane, Steward of Simplicity. Red, green, white for a 2-3 legendary human advisor. Whenever a non-token creature with no abilities with power 3 or greater enters the battlefield, it gains Vigilance, Trample, Haste, and its controller may draw a card. When you control a non-basic land, artifact, or an enchantment, sacrifice Plain Jane, Steward of Simplicity. card is so funny. This card is very <laughs> strange. Yeah, this is an attempt to do the Muraganda Petroglyphs, like, no ability tribal, like vanilla tribal. And I think it works... I think the downside is a little much. I built around this commander and I noticed a couple things that were really uh, troubling. <laughs> so for one, your deck doesn't really work unless you have your commander out, but she's three colors and you're only allowed to run basic lands. So this list I'm running has like 13 plains, 13 forests, 12 mountain, and there's not a lot you can do to make that work for you, to make you more likely to be able to cast Plain Jane. So sometimes it's just super frustrating getting colors screwed, yeah, not yeah. being able to cast your commander, and then not really being able to play your deck as a result. Yeah, I feel like you have to have every rampant growth variant 
like you have to have all of them mm-hmm. uh, or like maybe you could run wayfarer's bobble or something because it's gonna sack itself and you don't have to cast it when you get her like i'm trying to think of like the best ways to like work around that yeah i think that might be a bit much of a restriction i think that not being able to play magic because of mana problems is not fun and i don't think having non-basic lands greatly increases the power of what the deck is trying to do it just makes it so that you can do your thing more consistently i think that like the the artifact enchantment restriction is a lot less onerous and a lot less feel bad because once you start adding effects like guardian project or earthcraft like a lot of the combo enablers to really turn plain jane into a machine that just casts its entire deck a lot of those are artifacts and enchantments and so cutting you off from those makes it so that you are more likely just going to be playing the game of like i'm playing with vanilla creatures but i'm not horribly punished for doing so yeah a lot of thought went into this to make this not completely busted as you can kind of tell by the very strict restriction Mm -hmm. and i appreciate that i think that maybe someday we'll get something in the spirit of plain jane with that vanilla tribal but i don't know if that'll be anytime soon but yeah. I think this is an interesting take on that idea. It's likely going to get better over time. Like Wizards has been a lot more free in printing like those two mana, three one vanillars in white. And those are like the best card in the deck. The next design comes to us from Kyle. This is Vorok, Breaker of Bonds. This is one green, white, red for a legendary beast noble. It has haste and vigilance. The end of combat on your turn, choose an opponent that was dealt combat damage by a beast you control. Gain control of target land that player controls. And its power and toughness are each equal to the number of lands you control. I like that it's building beast tribal into a real archetype. Although I guess because you're only getting one land per turn, it doesn't matter how many beasts you have. Maybe that's a good protection against like the, the curve of beast that we'd see with like a Kestia or oh, a Varina. Yeah, yeah I, I guess just like evasive beasts. Yeah, there are a lot of beasts with trample. There's a few beasts with flying. I think you could you could make that work. I like that it grows with the game and it's something you want to do at all points with the game. Definitely something that actually would be interested in building if it existed. <laughs> yeah, and it is also fun to just have like built-in control for busted non-basic land sometimes it'll be nice like not necessarily to grab a land to ramp yourself but just to shut somebody off from having a guy's cradle or cabal coffers yeah you're like please no more volrest stronghold please just give that to me (laughs) i'm confiscating that you've proven yourself untrustworthy we've got a couple designs here from mark the first is surus monk ascendant one red white blue for a three four legendary monk wizard the converted mana cost of permanents and spells you control and cards you own that aren't on the battlefield are treated as though they were seven. I do like designs like this a lot of the time because you kind of have to dive into it. Like you look at that and you're like, okay, well, this doesn't do anything. And yeah, on your your own, it doesn't do a single thing. But then you get into things like Mind Shrieker, mm. which is like a 1-1 one, one flyer for one and a blue with two a target player puts the top card of their library into their graveyard mind trigger gets plus x plus x until in a turn where x is the card cmc there's like a bunch of silly things and th- these aren't even like the busted ones we're gonna get into the busted ones because there are some that make you go hmm, not sure if that's fair but it, it also makes things like clash so you basically are more or less always going to win that clash 
So you can get a lot of value out of these like really silly clash cards. So on the surface, it seems kind of do nothing. I guess this deck actually kind of functions without it because a lot of these cards do things on their own. But you definitely take off once you have your guy down. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the the busted stuff. So like the most unfair thing is probably Time Sifter. Yes, that is definitely the one. So that's a five man artifact. At the beginning of each upkeep, each player exiles the top card of their library. The player who exiled the card with the highest converted mana cost takes an extra turn after this one. If two or more players' cards are tied for the highest cost, the tied players repeat this process until the tie is broken. So if lands on top of your library are all 7 CMC, you're very likely to win the clash every time and then just take... Probably infinite turns and all of your cards are turned on as well. So you just are going to be able to like mind shrieker someone to death or Karn Silver Golem turns all your little artifacts and like mana ramp into giant seven seven beaters like I'm pretty sure if you have an, a bunch of turns you'll find a way to win with this deck yeah and then there's also a psychic battle which is three blue blue for an enchantment whenever a player chooses one or more targets each player reveals the top card of their library the player who reveals the card with the highest converted mana cost may change the target or targets if two or more cards are tied for the highest mana cost, the target or target remains unchanged. And then changing targets this way doesn't trigger abilities of permanence named Psychic Battle. That one's messed up. You're dictating what is happening at the table from then on out. Yeah, so as long as there's any other creatures like your opponent's spot removal, they, they can't remove Surus. I think it's going to be like sort of a, a Niv-Mizzet curiosity type thing where it's like yeah. every time you see this across from you at the table... There's going to be like, are you running the the two or three really messed up cards? Yeah. And I think maybe the best thing to do would be to just change the design a little bit to avoid that. Yeah, I, th there's different ways you could word it. If it didn't affect your library, then it wouldn't turn on Time Sifter, it wouldn't turn on Psychic Battle, but it would allow some of the other fun stuff like Homerid Spawning Bed, yeah. Culling Scales... Like the things that interact with the battlefield all seem pretty fine. It's really just when things that are using the library as a proxy for like a random number generator. Yeah. Taking something undetermined and random and making it certain is probably like less fun magic. Most versions of D&D &D have this thing called a wild mage, mm -hmm. which is uh, it's usually a sorcerer and like random stuff happens when you cast spells. And there's a build that was really good back if anyone played 3-5 that basically made it less random so that you couldn't be worse than a certain level like half the time. And I did that and it was definitely less fun. Like, yeah, it was good and my fireball always did like way more damage and stuff, but that's what I feel like this guy's going to be like. Like when you eventually you just kind of were like, oh, haha, isn't this great? I'm just, I'm hitting you for 21 with my mind shrieker. And then you're going to do that every time. And it kind of takes some of the, the fun of the randomness of these cards out. Moving on to the next design, also from Mark. This is Zektor, the Great Rewinder. Two red, white, blue for a 3-4 legendary human wizard. Players can't take extra turns. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery from exile, exile that card as it resolves. At the beginning of your next upkeep, you may cast that card from exile without paying its mana cost. Essentially what this guy does is he makes it so that spells cast from exile will just happen every single turn they become like upkeep triggers rather yeah. than actual like one-shot cards yeah it's it's like turning all of your rebound spells on so you rebound them every turn but also if you impulse draw a card and cast it through exile that way 
if you can exile a card from your graveyard and cast it, there's certain like spells. Uh, Mizzix's Mastery, I think, is one of them. So there's a few different ways to get this to work. And this is actually one of the commanders here that like I built a while ago. The problem with this guy was the, why don't I just take extra turns so the players can't take extra turns, like fixes that and makes this just kind of like this machine. You can set it up so that something heinous is happening every turn, but you have to set it up. And the fact that your guy is five mana and then you have to impulse draw or like brainstorm something to the top of your library and then impulse draw and then cast it like you feel really clever when you can make it work. But this guy ends up a lot like Rakdos Lord of Riots mm-hmm. where you're kind of either doing everything or you're doing not as much. But when you're doing everything, you just feel so good. You're like, I'm getting all these tokens and I'm drawing these cards and I gain a bunch of life. And then I did this thing and, and it's it's really fun. What's the most busted thing you were able to do with Zektor? I think it was just stealing everything. I got to Blatant Thievery every turn, and that was pretty good. But yeah, this guy was really cool. I was super into him. Next design is Tassar, Damned Oracle. Two blue-black for a 2-4 legendary zombie wizard. It has blue-black tap, scry two. And then whenever you scry, create an XX black zombie token, where X is the amount you scryed. The first thing that stood out to me about this card, there are some cards that combo with it. Yeah, there's two in particular that are very good with it. Yeah, so Woe Strider and Viscera Seer. Both have the same activated ability, a sack a creature, scry one. With this card on the battlefield, you sack any creature, scry one, you trigger Tassar, make a 1-1 black zombie, and then you feed that into the sack outlet, and you get to scry through your entire deck and find something that'll turn that into a win condition. You just need, like, Blood Artist at that point. There's a few things that just have, like, when a creature dies blank and you find it yeah and then you play it and then you win that's the one thing that is a concern with this guy but i think the general design of him is really cool that's a really cool idea rewarding scrying and there's going to be more cards of scrying and that is an interesting mechanic to build around that hasn't really been built around yet one of the ways to fix this is just limiting like the first time you scry you get a zombie that way you can't go infinite with it so I, I think there's ways to fix this guy, and I really like the angle that he's coming at. But I, I think the combo potential currently is a lot. Especially because you're like in black, you can tutor these things out really easily. Yeah. What I would do is probably just change the color identity so that it's not black. Then you don't have access to those two. It has to be blue for sure. And then you can have another color, fine, maybe like red or white. And then it just works fine. You get a reward for scrying, but you don't have that combo potential that can oops i win yeah and then you could very easily like if this was red blue or like white blue it could be like a construct instead of a zombie i really do hope we can see like a scry commander like this all right well that's the last design we have time for today again thank you all who submitted designs if uh, we were not able to get to one of yours today we apologize but we're going to make sure to have opportunities like this occasionally and we are excited to see what you all come up with There's so many designs and a lot of people submitted like multiple good ones and it's just so hard to get to everything when we only have like a limited amount of time that we can record and like a limited amount of these kind of episodes we can do. Mm -hmm. So we definitely want to do more of these. Thank you so much for submitting. They're like so many cool designs and like the reason that we're talking about all these is because we love them so much. Like they're so cool. (laughs) Like I would build most all of these decks that we talked about. I know I would be so happy if these designs just were transplanted directly into commander legends yeah that'd be awesome 
we will be getting back to non-custom card content soon. But if you like this, let us know. Keep thinking, keep brewing, and we're going to do more of these. So honestly, you could submit designs kind of anytime. We'll definitely solicit them, but they're fun to see, and we'll, we'll put them in the, the coffers for uh, another episode. With that, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, the White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, and Kyle. Thank you all for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to keep the lights on here in the studio and do fun content like this. If you're not currently a patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. If any of you theorists want to get in touch with us, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. And Zach is at fat Bartleby on Twitter. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. Until next time, we're going back to the drawing board.